so those, that passage should be familiar because that's what we read last week. Um, but we're just going to kind of go through each part of the passage because um, Jesus says pretty clearly in verse 28, and he said to him, you have given the right answer, do this, and you will live. How many of you all want to live this morning, right? Or uh, the alternative isn't so great, I guess. Um, but that's, that's the crux of this, is life. What does it mean to live? So last week, I kind of entered us into the text and talked a little bit um, about what it means to love the Lord God with all your heart. Um, and obviously, with our heart, it's an interior thing. And for the Hebrew understanding, it is the interior life that's inside of us. But today, I'm going to focus on loving the Lord God with all our soul. So first question because you know I love my questions. Are you, you all getting used to my questions yet, or is it just more and more annoying? Maybe this one will make it really annoying. How would you describe the soul? So I want you to take a moment, think about that, and then talk with one another. How would you describe the soul? Like, what is the soul? I know, we're going to get into some philosophy this morning. It's great. Um, so think about it, talk about it, and then I'll bring this back together. What is the soul? How would you describe the soul? Lots of different answers. Uh, the philosophers would kind of say that there's maybe some metaphysical part of ourselves, kind of like spirit ghost kind of thing, right? Our Greek understanding really influences our perspective of the soul. Um, but the Greek understanding is very different than the Hebrew understanding. So before um, I can really unpack some of the things about the, this passage, I feel like I need to talk about the soul for a little bit. Um, for the Jew, the soul is what would be your entire being. So last week we talked about the interior, right? Your heart, your inner being. For a Jew, especially during the first century, when they talk about the soul, and if you actually look through the Old Testament, you'll see soul a lot. I want you to remove pretty much every answer that you have in your mind about the soul when you read it. So, for example, when you read soul, you shouldn't be thinking some of this, this thing that kind of like departs from me. Because we, as Jesus followers, believe in bodily resurrection, right? So there's different religions in the world that kind of say that this, the spirit kind of leaves your body and goes somewhere. We believe in the bodily resurrection. So that's what we hold on to in terms of our belief system, right? So when we describe the soul, it has to be something different. And I think that's what we see in the Old Testament and we see in the New Testament is this entire being, who we are. So I wanted to show you kind of a cool uh, example. Tom, can you hit two slides? They're out of order, which is fine. Uh, one more. OK, so this psalm may be very familiar to you. We've, we sing it, right? As the deer pantis for the, the water is the most familiar one. This is just from our translation, the New Revised Standard Version. It says, as a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. So it's really cool. We kind of lose because we speak English or Spanish, whatever your first language is in this room. Um, we lose some of the poetry in the text. So in, in Hebrew, the word for soul is the same word for throat. It's kind of cool. So when you see, as a deer longs for flowing streams, my soul longs for you, O oh God. It's the same sense of thirst. Right? So you see how, just even how beautiful it just changes. 
quickly. My, my, what does our throat do when it's dry? It thirsts, right? And so it's this, this concept that our very being thirsts for God, that who we are in relationship with God, we should be hungry for him. We should be thirsty for him. We should be passionate for him. My soul longs, my soul thirsts for you. So when we talk about this, this when he says, love the Lord God with all your soul, it's this, this idea of your being. But all, like I said last week, is a tricky word. Like, what does all mean for you? The wrong answer. The wrong, the wrong answer. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, is there anything that you can say in your life that you've given all that you can to it? No. So it's kind of like we're getting set up for failure, I feel like. Like, how could I possibly give my all? If there's nothing, even the things that I'm most passionate about, that I give myself completely to. And I don't think that's the, the idea here. Um, again, as I mentioned last week, there's this tension of becoming who we really are. We are a new creation. But our awareness of that new creation is a daily process. So for example, um, I think I've used this example before, but I am super right-handed. Like I, I might as well not have a left hand, honestly. <laughs> yeah, OK. I want my left hand, just in case, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, and so when I got frustrated with myself, I'm like, I need to be able to use my left hand. Uh, I, I figured, what is an easy thing that I could do with my left hand? I figured I'd clip my nails. Let me just say that my right hand looked pretty jacked up for a while, <laughs> right? But it was this process of saying, this is, I, I'm not who I think I am. I am, I can, I have a left hand. It has a purpose and a reason, and I need to find what that is, and it's a process. And I feel like, in, in, in a weird kind of way, not to say that our life in Christ is like clipping your nails with your left hand, um, but it is becoming who we actually are. Like what are actually uh, who we are in Christ, our identity. It's to come into the fullness of understanding. It's not a, a shift. When we say yes to Jesus, we are completely transformed. We are a new creation, right? So when we talk about this longing for the soul, I think that's the, uh, this very first step. How many of you have been thirsty before? Maybe some of you are thirsty right now, <laughs> right? <laughs> what, is it, what is it like inside of you to be thirsty? It's uncomfortable. What else? It's all you can think about. Yeah. I think that's the first step in this giving our, our whole soul, our whole being, who we are to God is to recognize those places where we have thirst. Like, this is, I won't, I won't pretend that this morning won't be a challenging thing, because it is challenging. Because ultimately what Jesus is saying is that the way that you're going to have life is somehow you have to give over your whole being and your whole self to God. But that's set within the context of something really important, which you already see up here. You've probably already read it 10 times. But go ahead and click it just so it's a little bit bigger. So as we recognize this thirst, like, who are you, God? I, I want to know more about you. Jesus paves the way. 
before we get to Luke 10, this is something he's already said to his disciples. Then he said to them all, if anyone to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up the cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will save it. That's a pretty challenging statement that Jesus is making, isn't it? It's not like, okay, I'm going to coddle you and we're going to walk together and everything's going to be great and fun and cool. He's saying, literally, what are they supposed to take up? Their cross. Is there anything in the first century that's positive about the cross? Absolutely not. It is the worst sort of death that you could possibly have. And Jesus is saying, take up your cross daily and follow me. Now, um, I'm not going to do it, but let's just say this is an approximate size of a cross. Is that something that uh, you can just like put in your pocket and then go about your business? No. I would offer that it's all-consuming, that it requires intentionality and, and a sense of effort. Now, I want to be very careful here in saying I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about works-based religion. I'm talking about the recognition that my very life is centered upon the cross. And that that's what I'm going to carry with me. Now, obviously, they have no idea what this is going to mean. But can you imagine post-resurrection what this would have meant to them? That, that the thing that they're going to center their life around is the death in life of Christ. And that they would carry that with them wherever they would go. Why? Because if you want to save your life, you have to lose it. I mean, what? <laughs> okay. But if Jesus is saying, you can carry this or you can go about this way, that's really what the challenge here is. If you want to save your life, you have to lose it. And those who lose their life, for my sake, will save it. So he, he's inviting them into something different. And that's the same invitation that he gives us when we talk about our soul, our very being. Uh, the next text, which you can read, is from Galatians 2, and I'll read that. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. So that's the taking up the cross. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You want to know why this passage causes me problems? Because when I look in the mirror, I still think there's some of that old Sean that I see. Can you relate to that? Like you look, it says, it says, it is no longer I who live. Like that old self is dead. But when I look in the mirror, what do I generally see? My old self. The things that my brokenness, my, my hurt, all these things that even, even if I'm not doing anything wrong today, all the things that I've done that I haven't forgiven myself for, right? I have been crucified with Christ. Isn't it interesting that the passage before, what does it say? Does it say, take the cross one time and then you're good to go? <laughs> like, it, it, thumbs up, everybody. What does it say? Daily. Daily. And I think in Jesus' wisdom, he recognizes 
that just because we have been crucified, crucified in him, and it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me, that it's a daily activity to live fully into that. And that's the challenge here, is the daily activity, and that's why I go to all of the soul. The, the all of the soul is a daily activity of saying, I relinquish my entire being to you. Right? I, we've already, last week we talked about relinquishing in our, our interior life, that he would shape and form us. But every single thing that we do, that we are, would be turned over to him. It's pretty scary, right? It's pretty scary. But it says, in the life I now live in the flesh, flesh, I live by what? Faith in the Son of God, who what? Loved me. And what? Right? So it's not like we're by ourselves. Even in the bulletins, I put, may I? Thank you. In the bulletin, I even put, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's Jesus. I am with you always to the end of the age. So we're not, thanks. We're not by ourselves in this. Now, I'll go to the text in Ephesians. We'll unpack it a little bit more. This is from the message translation. Um, go ahead, Tom. You can hit it over one. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your contact, con conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. I love this version because this is the heart-soul transition right here. A God-fashioned life, a life renewed from where? The inside. And what happens? It works itself into your, your outside. That's your soul, your very being. And as God accurately reproduces Whose character? His character in you. So the first kind of process in this, not just that we are thirsting and hungry for God, it says that we have to recognize that these things that impede our life are rotten through and through. And I'm not just talking about the things that we do wrong, our sin and our brokenness. I'm talking about the lies that we believe. I'm talking about the unforgiveness that we carry. I'm talking about the frustrations that we can't let go of. They're rotten through and through. And I think we need to hear that sometimes. I need to hear that. Not as condemnation, but like, have you ever had a rotten apple before? You take a bite, what happens? Yeah, you spit it right out. Because it's rotten through and through. It's no good for you. It's not going to pro provide the substance and nourishment that your body needs, is it? Absolutely not. So then when we recognize that this thing here, that when we look in the mirror and we say no, that we can take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life. I like that the, the text says God-fashioned as if we are clay, being molded, because we are in the potter's hand. So you can already see the question, why would we do such a thing? I want you to ask yourself, why would you? You can hit it, Tom. It's OK. You already have the answer. <laughs> but why, why, why would you? Because really, this is a challenge from Jesus. 
that you would die to yourself. Um, what is something, I'm not going to make you say it out loud, but it's probably already in your head. What is something that you probably need to die to that you just won't let go of? What's that thing that you've been wrestling with? And we're not just talking about something, an activity that you may be doing. Maybe it's unforgiveness, or maybe it's repentance, or maybe it's reconnection, restitution, reconciliation, friendship. What is that thing that you should be letting go of that you're like, mm, not today? Or maybe you've been saying not today for the past five years. 20 years. Why would we do such a thing? Why would we say no to what? Our wants, desires, and needs? Why would we do that? Why? <laughs> Does anybody have a good answer without looking here? <laughs> Why? OK. Maybe not a God-formed life. Because we have this thirst, and we have this hunger. And he says, take up your cross daily. Like the things that maybe you want, desire, and need maybe aren't aligned with carrying the cross daily. And that's hard to hear, right? Because what about my wants, needs, and desires, and, and all the things that my dreams? This is why, as you can see, I think you can hit it again, Tom. I think what Jesus says in verse 28, and he said to him, you given the right answer, do this, and you will live. But what kind of life? Is it the kind of like mopey religious life like you see where people are like, I'm a Christian, and this is super exciting. <laughs> Love my life, Jesus. And maybe they have like a Jesus t-shirt on with the cross or something like that, and they have the fish you know, bumper sticker on the back. But, but man, life is like this. Man, I can't wait to die so I can be in heaven. Right? But what we see is that Jesus offers life just like God created in Genesis. It's teeming and flourishing. And that we find our true self in Christ. You may wonder why I have this. It wasn't to throw at Brett this morning. <laughs> yeah. What is this? It's a sphere. A sphere. Okay. A red sphere. Yes, it's a red sphere. It is a ball. Right? Well, it's Judah's squishy, but what kind of ball? Baseball, right? Now, this is a ball, and it's a baseball. That's accurate. But is it really teeming with life in my hand? What's its purpose? I'll throw it at you anyway. I need it, though. Thank you. I was imagining when I was thinking about this illustration, 
If I was a ball, what sound would I make in somebody's hand? I would be like, well, if it hit your hand. But if, it, if it's in your hand, you're like, eh. Thanks, Judah. If I throw it, what sound would it make? Thanks for being the brave one. Why? Because it's living fully into its purpose. Right? Like certainly it can be held in its hand and it can, I can do all this and it's still a ball and it's still a baseball but as soon as it's released it comes fully into its purpose. And what's even crazier is you would think when it hits a bat, right? You would think ow maybe would be the sound. But I think it's a shout of just crazy excitement. Because why? I'm throwing it here a couple miles per hour. Off of a bat, it goes like, what, 90-something miles per hour for anybody that, and it just soars. And I've been thinking a lot about that if, if our life, like we can be stationary in this Christian life. And we can look at dying to ourselves as just being a ball in a hand and we're just going to go about life Maybe we'll experience that a couple times, and then, cool. Then we die, and then there's heaven. Yay, right? But what Jesus offers is a life so full, so rich. I'm not saying not full of suffering, not hard, not difficult, but where it feels in the midst of it that we can just be released into who we really are. And I love that. Is there anybody here that doesn't want to know who they really are in Christ? I mean, just, I don't even care. I'm just going to do my thing. And that's the beauty about Jesus is he will absolutely let you do that. He will let you just be a ball in the hand. But he also, and you can see even with his disciples, when they didn't quite get it, he releases them. He goes. He says, go. Experience this life. Be challenged by this life. Take up your cross daily. And that's challenging uh, for me. Is to, I like to hold my life in my hand. Do you like to hold your life in your hand? Have control of your life? So really the activity is saying, Not my life, but yours. And then we're like, oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, scratch that today. <laughs> but to fully give over, and he says that you can take on, he doesn't say, okay, I'm going to leave you empty. What does he do? He gives you his life. And that what, that's what propels us into this flourishing, teeming life that we could see through the resurrection. So, what does it mean today to give your whole being? I'm just saying today. I'm not asking you to worry about tomorrow or a week from now. What does it look like today to give who you are over? The wants, desires, needs, the frustrations, anything that you're carrying 
to relinquish complete control just for today? What would that look like? My friend Joe, he asks a question of me when I talk to him. He says, he reminds me, he says, what's the deep work that God's doing in my soul? And I like that. What's the deep work that you're doing in my being, God? What's that deep work that you're carrying me through? How can that reorient even how I say one word? One look. It's a challenge. So today, as we move to communion together, um, that's why I love this transition, is he doesn't ask of us something that he, does, he hasn't already done for us. Just like we can't do the work apart from him, he shows us that. He gave his broken body and his shed blood. He's done the work for us. And so ultimately, it's not this work that we have to do. It's an invitation into teeming, flourishing life as our true self in Christ. So let me pray for our, our hearts this morning um, and then our beings, and then we'll move to Holy Communion together. God, I thank you um, for your invitation. I thank you for this offering that you give us of your body and your blood, that you show us how, what it means to die you, you died to self so that we might live. Um, you took on the temptations and you said no. You showed us uh, what flourishing, teeming life can be in the midst of suffering and struggle and joys and worship. You showed us what it looks like to have our interior shaped and formed by you, but then to give our very lives, our very being, our very work, who we are ourselves, to you, and it would be all of it. Show us what that looks like today, uh, especially this invitation of the table um, with your broken body and your shed blood, that we could look first to you rather than to, our, rather than to ourselves, all the things that we need to do or let go of, all this, but we would first look to you and hunger and thirst for the life that you offer, and that that would be the guiding directive for how we could give our lives over to you and take on your cross today. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.